The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 36. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, And let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf... You see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. 
so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The world is going to end, and the end of the world is nearer than it was yesterday. As a Christian, you can greet this news with hope and joy. Now, when it comes to the end of the world, the leading questions seem to be, how do we know that the end is near, and what should we do to prepare? Jesus addresses both of these questions in our gospel reading for today at length, and as part of that, he provides two illustrations. One is the parable of the fig tree. When trees bud and leaf at the end of winter, you know that summer is coming soon. As long as the world turns and there are seasons, fig trees will praise God by doing what they've been created to do. They'll bud and leaf, and then they'll create figs. Now, with the rest of the trees, they're going to preach to you, too. Let every spring remind you not just that summer is coming, but that Jesus is coming in glory. The point of the parable of the fig tree is that you know everything that God wants you to know about the end of the world by looking at the present signs. What should you look for to tell you that the world is coming to an end? Well, Jesus warns of false Christs leading many astray. He tells you that there will be wars and tumults. There will be earthquakes and famines and plagues, terrors and signs in the heavens. Christians will be persecuted, nations will be distressed, and even the sea with its waves will perplex. Now, a common response to this is, well, that doesn't take a genius or a messiah to predict stuff like this. These things are happening all the time. And if these things are happening all the time, then they are no proof at all that the world is ending because it hasn't ended yet. Well, Jesus' point is precisely the opposite. The world is going to end, and these serve as constant reminders that it is going to happen. You know how you wake up in the morning and over the years your joints are a little bit stiffer and you can't quite move as fast as you used to? What's your reaction? I'm getting older, which is true. It also means that the end of your physical body's lifespan is nearer than it was. Now, no one wakes up in the morning and says, because my joints are stiff every morning all the time, I must be immortal. Likewise, it's foolish to say that these ongoing disasters are proof that the world isn't going to end. 
They are constant reminders, ongoing sermons, that a world so convulsed in sin has an expiration date. So the end of the world is near, and it is nearer than before. How can you be prepared for the end of the world? What are you to do? Jesus answers this by weaving another illustration for us into this text. He talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, which lies 40 years in the future for his hearers. This is where he says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. To put it another way, When you see the Roman armies on the march and about to surround and destroy Jerusalem, don't go into the city. If you're in the city, get out and stay out. Those who are trapped in the city will either die or be enslaved because the end of Jerusalem is coming. And when the end of Jerusalem comes, you want to be somewhere else. That seems simple. When the city is besieged by Roman armies in 70 AD, that is a bad time to visit. By the way, and this is key, the desolation of the city is more than its destruction. A desolation is an absence, an emptiness. The great desolation is the absence of God and His grace. And this is ultimately the desolation that Jesus is warning about. Remember that Jerusalem has been the site of the temple, the place where God dwells with his people. And now in our gospel reading, Jesus has become flesh to dwell among them, and as long as he is there, he is God present with grace. But the citizens of Jerusalem will soon reject him and call for his death. After his resurrection, they will persecute the Christians and drive them out of the city. If there are no Christians left, there will be no one to keep saying what Jesus said, both his law and his gospel. There will be no one, for instance, to preach submission to God and to Caesar. There will be no one to talk about repentance and grace. There will be other preachers there instead. The city will be overrun with zealots who believe that following God means rebelling against Rome. Rome will take poorly to this, besiege the city, and destroy it. Not one stone is left upon another. Desolation. The Lord sought to gather them by his gospel, but they would not. 2,000 years later, we have the examples of the fig tree and Jerusalem, and we can say with confidence that the world's end is nearer now than it was then. So what can you do to be prepared? What can you do to be ready? Here's a list. It's not long. Two points is all. First off, Acknowledge all of those signs that Jesus lists for what they are. They are ongoing reminders that this world is coming to an end. Furthermore, reject what they are not meant to be, because many will assert that these signs are proof that Jesus was wrong or that God has forgotten his promises.
That's the message of all those false Christs who show up and peddle more attractive religions. They might argue that the Bible is wrong and that these events are reason to reject Scripture, that such disasters are proof that God doesn't exist or that he's cruel and unloving. They might also argue that these things are your fault because the world would be getting better if Christians believed more and worked harder. But you respond, no, these signs actually confirm what the Bible says because Jesus said that this would happen. I can always believe more and work harder, but my faith isn't going to stop an earthquake. But by faith, I believe that Jesus has shed his own blood, died, and risen again so that I could be delivered from this world that is clearly falling apart. I will not doubt God because of catastrophe any more than I will blame him for the evil and violence of man. I will trust in him and his promise that my redemption is near. At any rate, that's the first part of how to be prepared for the end of the world. Know what the Bible says. Acknowledge that Jesus tells the truth, and the truth is that the signs he describes are not proof that God has forsaken the world or forsaken you, but these signs are testimony that he is still engaged and working to save until this world ends. Part two of being prepared for the end of the world is this. Flee desolation. In other words, beware of those things that would rob you of God's grace and presence. Jesus puts it this way in our text. He says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. This might be the way of hedonism and self-indulgence. You can decide to reject or ignore the truth that judgment is coming and instead decide that life is pursuing pleasure in your favorite sins, not troubling yourself with forgiveness and faith. This is the popular option in our culture. Beware. The other form of dissipation and drunkenness is the way of despair. It's to acknowledge that judgment is coming, but to give up hope. This is the way of those who know the pain and guilt of their sin, but reject all hope of redemption in Christ. Even though Jesus has done all things necessary to forgive them and raise them up to eternal life, they deny his promise that he's done it for them. This is also prevalent today, and you're not immune to this one either. If you take seriously the state of the world, the decline of morality, the threat of violence, and the state of our own society, there are going to be times when you are terribly discouraged. There are going to be times when you are tempted to despair. Flee the desolation of impenitence and despair. Of course, you can't get out of the world like one could get out of Jerusalem. Rather than a quick move to Mars... You're stuck here. So how do you flee desolation? You run to Christ. Find your Savior where he promises to be found. Where Jesus is, there is no desolation, for he is present with grace and life. Confess your sins and hear his word of absolution, so that you already know his verdict of innocence for you before the last day. Receive the body and blood of the one who has already conquered death, 
who already reigns eternally in heaven for you, and who has already joined you to himself, to his death and resurrection in your baptism. Run to Christ, and as you do, don't try to go it alone. The Lord has joined you to his body, the church, and we will need one another for encouragement in the days ahead. As Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 puts it, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That day, the last day, is drawing near, says Hebrews. And in our gospel reading, Jesus says that your redemption is drawing near, your redemption not your demise. In fact, you heard him say it. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And further, he promises in our text, not one hair of your head will perish. The salvation he's already given you, though unseen now, will be revealed in all its glory. This is the hope of the martyr, the dying Christian, and ultimately all believers. The end is only the beginning. On the last day, you will be revealed as the holy, sinless children of God, cleansed of sin and delivered from all trouble. It's yours for the sake of Jesus. So remember, when you see trouble... Remember the fig tree and know that these are signs that the end is coming, just as Jesus said. And although the world might be moving towards desolation, forsake being desolate and run to Christ. Christ who died and rose so that he might forgive your sins, strengthen your faith, and give you life. There will be difficulties as this world continues to wind down, and there will be trouble to be endured but hold fast to the word of your crucified and risen Savior. Straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.